morning on the 1st of June, 2016. Here's this morning's Dawn Post. Abelard's Ultimate Tragedy. Happy birthday, younger daughter, also known as the most amazing person I will ever know, according to her Siri. The most amazing person anyone knew in the 12th century may have been French scholastic Peter Abelard. His genius was evident in all he did. He is arguably the greatest logician of the Middle Ages and is equally famous as the first great nominalist philosopher. He championed the use of reason in matters of faith. He was the first to use theology in its modern sense. And his systematic treatment of religious doctrines are as remarkable for their philosophical penetration and subtlety as they are for their audacity. Abelard seemed larger than life to his contemporaries. His quick wit, sharp tongue, perfect memory, and boundless arrogance made him unbeatable in debate. He was said by supporter and detractor alike never to have lost an argument, and the force of his personality impressed itself vividly on all with whom he came into contact, especially Heloise. But as younger daughter says, I have a question for him, and roughly for half the students I've met over the years who presented themselves as open-minded and, and, and rational, but who also sequestered their pre-philosophical religious beliefs from significant philosophical engagement. Abelard said we need to question and doubt in order to know, but he never doubted his own Christian faith, saying, I will never be a philosopher. Is his position rationally defensible? Can a critically-minded person simply form a protective wall around specific beliefs without compromising his or her credibility and intellectual character? Not without doing irreparable violence to his or her generative powers in a self-inflicted intellectual self-neutering. Tragic, indeed. Here's yesterday's Dawn Post, Superstition. A late morning post today after a pre-dawn trip carrying, as my Tennessee in-laws say in a locution that still conjures for me an amusing image, Grammy to her plane back to the Midwest. Glad I'm not flying today with the end of holiday throng. My turn's coming, though, next week in California. In class tomorrow, we look at the late Roman period and its odd beliefs. A student takes issue with Arthur Herman's observation that by the measure of the age, Emperor Constantine was not a superstitious man. Constantine and his troops believed the prognostication of a pagan oracle that an enemy of Rome would be killed, worshipped Sol Invictus, the sun god, and interpreted dreams as omens. It's almost like a scene from a Mel Brooks film, says that skeptical student, or Monty Python. Fair enough, but consider. Their world was full of unexplained phenomena, darkness and fear. To Romans, these superstitions were a perfectly natural part in the relationship between gods and men. The Roman habit of interpreting natural phenomena as signs from the beyond stemmed from the Etruscans. They thought the signs they read were sent to them by a mythical boy called Tagis, who in their mythology was to have been plowed up from the earth. 
They would seek to read the future by examining the entrails of sacrificial animals, the liver being of special importance for that purpose. Stones, trees, springs, caves, lakes, swamps, mountains, even animals, and furniture were all deemed to be hosts to spirits or noumena. Stones, in particular, were often seen to contain spirits, especially if they were boundary stones dividing one man's property from the other. It is very telling that the Latin word for such a boundary is terminus, and that there actually was a Roman god called Terminus. This odd deity took the form of a huge piece of rock which rested in the temple of Jupiter on the Capitoline Hill. Apparently, several attempts to move the boulder when constructing the temple had failed, and so it remained within the temple because it had refused to move even for Jupiter. Children were told stories of nasty creatures who'd come to eat them if they weren't good. In the Greeks, they had Mormo, a terrifying woman with donkey legs, and the Roman Lamia, who stalked around looking for children to eat. That's just the tip of the Romans' iceberg of magical thinking. But we shouldn't feel too superior. Many of us still tell children tales of hell and monstrosity, seek the secret, and tremble to imagine the other side of mortal life. Most of us don't buy the Epicurean comfort that death is literally nothing to us. On the other hand, Pew Research polls show that religion is in sharp decline in the U.S. Our auguries now point to a more secular future, if we can avoid frightening ourselves to death before it arrives. Talk to you later.